0: Welcome into the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are looking at Brandon Ingram giving you a scouting report. Uh, We always look at the box score, we look at the analytics, and then lastly, we look at the tape to try to give you a full 3D kind of scouting report and uh, I guess maybe docking points (laughs) for, for this player moving forward. So Brandon Ingram, second overall pick in 2016. Uh, 6'8", 190 pounds, he is 25 years old, and it's his seventh year in the league this season in late 2022. So his first three years were with the Lakers, and the last four uh, with the Pelicans. So he is a a forward that scores, and uh, let's look into the box score and see what we can learn about him. He had a little bit of a down year last year, efficiency-wise. Last year being 21 22 but since he's gone to the pelicans this is roughly what his box score numbers have been been about 23 points a game five and a half rebounds five assists less than a steal game and half a block so immediately i'm like okay 23 points a game pretty solid you know five and a half rebounds five assists that's you know filling up the stat sheet and then not super impactful in the two defensive stats steals and blocks A career 37% three-point shooter on about four a game, and he has one of the more interesting shooting stories in the league. When he came into the league with the Lakers, he was a non-shooter. He didn't take really three-pointers. And when he went over to the Pelicans, he completely reworked his shot, and all of a sudden he was taking six a game, and he was hitting 38%. He did that for two years. And people were really confused by this because... People do improve, but this is like one of the biggest three-point shot improvements I think I've ever seen. So, people were skeptical. It was down last year at 33%. But, so... What happened was, had the big breakout shooting year, people were skeptical. He did it again, where it was like, okay, this this probably is for real then. And then last year has a down year, puts a little bit of doubt in people's mind. And then it's December, it's early in the year, he's shooting 47% from three this year. So I think we can kind of put it to rest that he has become a viable, if not above average, three-point shooter. So that's definitely something you like in his game. Uh, same story as a free-throw shooter When he was on the Lakers, he was not very good in the 60s percentile wise. And on the Pelicans, he's been about 85%, which is super good. And he's shooting about five and a half a game, which, again, is good, but not elite. You can get those attempts higher, obviously, if you're shooting 85%. You really get that efficiency uh, driven up higher, which is really important to becoming a star. Um, He's been a little bit below average on twos for his career. And... Part of that is he takes a lot of mid-range jumpers and that's just like part of the, the trade-off there, right? Like your efficiency is going to be a little bit lower, but that's something that's probably the hardest thing in the league to take away where like you can pretty much always get those up, especially when you're a dynamic scorer who is 6'8", like Brandon Ingram is. Uh, let's look at his overall efficiency, true shooting plus of 102 with the Pelicans in his three plus years there, which is good. Um, but it's fluctuated, right? His first year, he was 104, 4% better, which was like, okay, whoa, like this, we really got to take notice here. I think a lot of people really got stuck on that year when they think about him, because he comes over in the trade for Anthony Davis. He has the big spike in three-point shooting. He has the spike in his overall efficiency. People get really excited. They're like, this guy's a future building block. He had always been talented, but it was like, all right, he's starting to put it together here. He's you know scoring over 20 points a game. And then... Last year was kind of tough. He was a true shooting of 98, which is 2% below league average, where it's really tough. Like when you're a scorer that's not racking up a ton of assists and you're not playing super efficiently, it's like, okay, like you need that to improve to be a star. So looking at the box score kind of all together, Scores points at 23 a game. So here's another thing. I don't know if we talked about this on the previous scouting reports, but five and a half rebounds, five assists. So like if you're just out there enough and you're a forward, like five rebounds is going to happen, right? And then the five assists, when you're an on-ball guy, like you have to think about kind of how the assist structures work because the more you have the ball, just naturally the more assists you're going to have. That's why like generally point guards have more assists than centers. So sometimes people hear that I'm critical of someone with five assists and they're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like that's a solid number. But like you have to start thinking about it, right? Like if you're a primary ball handler, I guess for our offensive roles here, you're an on-ball guy, a shot creator, primary handler, secondary handler, slasher. Like you like if you have four assists, that's Quite low. Like if you have three, it's like alarmingly low. So then like five is like, okay, it's kind of around average. Six is like, okay, it's starting to be something. And then you get to like seven, eight, nine, where it's like, okay, this like you're playmaking, you're making some things happen. And again, it's dependent on how often you have the ball. But I don't know. That's a little caveat I just kind of wanted to highlight there. We're like five assists a game for an on-ball guy. It's playing plenty of minutes like Brandon Ingram is, it's like, it's it's fine. It, it doesn't really tell you a whole lot, you know, good or bad. But I feel like sometimes people, they start from zero on these stats sometimes, which I don't really get, where it's like five rebounds and five assists. And it's like, well, yeah, but you're playing 33 minutes a game and you're 6'8". And like you have the ball a lot. So like some of those things are naturally going to accumulate. But that wraps up for the box score. Let's move over to analytics. Let's go into our basketball index account and let's look at, we'll start with offensive role and defensive role. So he's been a shot creator for a while, which is basically like the star role. You know, you have the ball a lot. You're taking a lot of self-generated shots. And on defense, he's kind of moved between the two roles of low activity and helper. So helper is like a lot of time you're, you're coming over to help. You're not guarding on ball and then law activity is there's a little bit of that but then a lot of the time you're not even you're not even really coming over to help uh you're guarding stationary shooters a lot of the time that just aren't really involved in the play and you're doing that on purpose because you want to hide this player because you either don't think he's very good at defense or you're saving him because you're like well i need him to score a lot of points and i need to save a lot of energy to go on that side of the floor and perform so let's look at all of our metrics we're gonna sort by on-ball players that have played over a thousand minutes because, it, like, it doesn't. I can compare his O-LeBron, his overall offensive impact to like backup centers, but that doesn't really tell us anything. So this is his peer group, guys with the ball in their hand all the time and are playing, you know, a fair amount. So in O-LeBron last year, he was a B minus, so above average, and then the last two years uh, before that. So I guess, you know, two and three years ago, he was a B plus. So he's been solidly above average as an on-ball guy, but not in that upper echelon that I feel like a lot of people are trying to put him in. And for me, it's one of those things. I don't really, I don't have an opinion on who I want to succeed or not for the most part. Right. Where I'm like, Hey, you play as well as you're going to play. And then like my job is to kind of analyze that, to look at the numbers to see what's going on. So like, Sometimes when I argue with people, they're like, well, why don't you want him to be a star? And I'm like, well, I don't really care, but I'm just telling you, he's not putting up star production yet. He's been close in the past, uh, a B-plus in Olebron, which is good, Uh, B-minus last year, but he still does need to ratchet it up. I think he's only had one year over a plus two in Olebron, which... Plus two is good. It means you know, you're making things happen, but like the real high-end guys are like plus three, plus four. That's where you get into like the all-star, all-NBA conversation. So you want to see some impact like that out of him before you're kind of crowning him as a star player. Uh, D. LeBron last year was a C-plus among on-ball guys, which was good for him. The last two years before that was a D. Um, I think part of that is being moved into the low-activity role Like, you can't mess a whole lot up if you're never really guarding anybody. And uh, we have a stat. It's uh, primary involvement rate, uh, which is how often you're guarding the guy with the ball. And he had the lowest primary involvement rate of any on-ball guy in the league last year. Same thing the year before that, where he was near the bottom, where it's like, he, there literally aren't players that are away from the ball more than him. Uh, DeRozan is another guy like that. Like They are just away from the ball almost all the time because they are not good defenders. Uh, let's look at our defensive metrics. This is like the, the golden sombrero of Fs, which is not great. Um, we have pickpocket rating and passing lane defense, which is basically like pickpocket is your on-ball ability to generate steals. Passing lane is off-ball, uh, intercepting passes and getting deflections. Basically, defensive playmaking get an F in both of those. Not great. And then we have our on ball defense and isolation F uh, ball screen navigation, like handling pick and roll screening defense F uh, off ball chaser, also an F. So not good in any of our defensive metrics. And that's not really what you're looking for. That's not great. Let's turn over to kind of our offensive report card we're making here. Again, this is of on ball players that play over a thousand minutes. Uh, last year, he had an A- minus in on-ball gravity and an A-plus in off-ball gravity. That's good. Uh, that means defenses are definitely respecting him, um, definitely keeping a account of where he is on the floor at all times. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, B-plus in playmaking talent. This is somewhere he has made strides in the last three years. His volume, his efficiency, his versatility has all improved. That's been really, really great. That's been a place I feel like people have – really seen improvement on the Pelicans, and that is important, again, to trying to become a star, not just a scorer. Um, But overall, he is similar to guys like Middleton and Devin Booker, where uh, there's definitely some playmaking, there's definitely some scoring gravity, and it does help the team, but it is not at an elite place yet. Um, I don't know if it ever does get there, but it has improved. Again, it is a B-plus among uh, on-ball guys, and, and that is something. Uh, Moving on, a C in finishing. He's a guy that used to get to the rim above average, but the last two years, that's just tanked. Um, It's hard to say. He does take a lot of mid-range jumpers. Um, He is pretty good at them, but it's just one of those things where I don't know if it's a shot diet change because of an inability to get to the rim or uh, uh, sort of the way he thinks he can be the most effective or you know, could be... A coaching thing, it's one of those things that's hard to tell, but it's one of those things where you would like him to go to the rim because people shoot a higher percentage at the rim. And then also, he has been a good finisher. Not elite, but he's been good throughout most of his career. So it helps when you're 6'8", but again, he's smooth, he has touch, and when he does get around the basket, he does finish well. So I think, again, to boost that efficiency, you get that rim shot creation a little bit higher. I think that would be good. Um, but let's move to the mid range game. This is a place where he's had an a He's very good here. He takes a lot. He makes a lot. Um, he's very comfortable shooting them. The six, eight really shines here. And this is his bread and butter. Like this is the thing that makes him valuable. And I think I talked about it earlier, but, uh, you know, having a strong mid range game is very good because especially at the end of games or come playoff time, it's like basically impossible to take away so uh having that as something you can go to and I think last year in the playoffs against the suns he had some really strong quarters there um, against high-end competition so that was definitely um, exciting to see but the mid-range game it's funny I think I've done I've done CJ McCollum I've done Devin Booker and I've done him like I think every player almost I've done a uh, a scattering report on has had a strong mid-range game I think it's because those players are talked about a lot and I kind of just wanted to fill in kind of the rest of the puzzle on them because if you just talk about ingram's mid-range game he's phenomenal but the problem is when you talk about everything else you're like oh so i guess these are the these are the drawbacks these are the flaws um but mid-range game absolutely great uh he had a d in three point shooting talent last year that takes into account your shot quality your shot making your shot creation Again, he had a down year shooting three the last two years before that. It was a B, which is good above average. So I think he'll be again above average for an on ball guy, but you know, down year last year. This year he's shooting 47% from three. So I think it's gonna be just fine. Uh, but that wraps it up for the analytics. Let's go to the tape. On offense, he's very fluid for a 6'8 guy, very smooth. uh, Gets to his spots well, has spots. (laughs) That's an important thing because there's a lot of players that just frankly do not. uh, But when he gets to them, he hits those shots, and that that is good. Um, Good athlete for 6'8. Not a lot of super bouncy guys at that size, um, but he does move well. His mid-range seems virtually unblockable. Again, he's tall and has a high release. uh, Doesn't seem to be bothered much by defending players. Seems overall really confident as a player, which is good. Not the greatest handle. Loses it sometimes in traffic. I think that kind of limits his playmaking. Like once the ball goes on the ground, it's like, all right, like get to your spot and pull up and shoot it or try to get to the rim. There's not a whole lot of like probing with him. I guess he's probably one of the better players to throw a grenade to at the end of the shot clock just because he seems like he can get up a shot anytime he wants over anyone. So that's kind of a fun little thing to have uh, as a plus as a player. Uh, move on to defense. He doesn't do a lot there. Gets lost sometimes. Kind of drifts around. Seems like teammates are trying to direct him a lot, which, again, communication is important. So I don't want to ding people for you know talking to their teammates while being on the court. But it is hard when he's drifting and then, you know, a teammate puts his their hand on his back or his shoulder to try to like help direct him, of like, hey, you need to go over there. That did seem to happen a lot, which really isn't great. I think a plus for him is he does put up really strong contests on things like closeouts or occasionally when he does guard somebody. I've talked about how tall he is all episode, but it it does matter. He is long, but he has a pretty decent feel for it. Not jumping out of the air, out of control, drawing or creating a lot of drawn fouls for shooters, which is good. But the contests, I do like um, time to time. They are they are very strong. In conclusion, we've looked at the box score. We've looked at the analytics. We've looked at the tape and he is a good offensive player. He has a good ISO game the playmaking is helpful, but I don't think it ever gets to the heights. It needs to be to like really be a high end player. I like, unfortunately I don't think that's going to happen. Now the question becomes what is he as a building block? Because is he a number two option? He's definitely not a number one. Is he a number two option? Because mm, that's a hard one. Because the way it happens is he gets to, that sage level of mid-range shooting that guys like Durant are at. And it is very possible. I don't think it's actually possible for that many players in the league, but for like five or 10 guys, it absolutely is, and he is one of them. So that's something that also can develop a little bit later into your career, because a lot of the times it's like at the age of like 25, 26, it's like, all right, you're like, for the most part, like this is kind of what this guy is. Occasionally you get like late bloomers, But that is a skill that can kind of develop later, which is good for him in this specific case. Um, He's a negative on defense. You can hide him, but that uses up your slot. Like, you can't hide three guys. You can hide one guy. Maybe you can hide two at a time on the court. I don't know about that. But, like, it does use up your slot, and that's not great. Right now, though, I think he probably is a top 50 player because the offense is good. The ISO game is good. He's probably somewhere in the 40s. Again, he has a chance to move up, but I don't think I ever see him being like a top 30 player. I just I just don't think he... I mean, maybe it's possible. I mean, I'll, I'll take that back. He can do it, but it does take kind of everything going right for him. He is on a very good team. The Pelicans are one of the best teams in the league this year. They're very deep. They have Zion as their star. They have a lot of talent around them. They have shooting. They have ball handling. Uh, they have CJ McCollum, which is great. But hmm, I guess we're going to get to see it play out. It's like, is he the number two? Is he the number three option? Or him and CJ kind of split that responsibility. Um, how far can this team go? I think there's a lot of questions that are going to be answered this year. And uh, I'm pretty excited to find out. I think another like a player comp thing is like he's the logical evolution of DeRozan. He's bigger. Uh, they both take a lot of mid-range shots. They kind of live and die there. And then you kind of swap out DeRozan's better finishing for Ingram is definitely a better three-point shooter, but they they kind of are similar in my mind a little bit. Neither of them defend. But yeah, that's going to wrap it up for Brandon Ingram. Uh, Again, we looked at the box score. We looked at the analytics. We looked at the tape. He's a good player. I just don't know if he's a great player. But yeah, that's going to wrap it up. My name's Taylor, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.